Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Small Business Owner Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Vizanar. In this podcast, you'll learn the strategies, processes, and mindset to take you, your teams, and your organization to the next level. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ben Vizanaw, and man, do we have a great show for you today. I recently sat down with Vincent LaPolva, and Vince is the epitome of entrepreneurship. Vince shares with us his tips, his tricks, and even some of his struggles for growing multiple businesses. He also shares with us some funny stories about A-list celebrities that he worked with when he was working on various movie sets through his Green Joe coffee truck business. You're definitely going to want to take notes when he starts talking about his method for deciding whether or not to move forward on a new business. But before we get started... If you haven't already joined our Facebook group, make sure you do. You can search for it as the Next Level Leadership and Small Business Owner Show in Facebook or simply click the link below in the show notes. And with that, let's listen in on the interview. Vincent, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How's it going? Oh, man. It's good. It's a beautiful day. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but it's good Friday. It's beautiful here in the South. I'm not sure how the weather is where you're at, but it's, it's, it's been a good day to say the least. Yeah, we have good weather over here right now. It's been same here, sunshine. Cool, man. Well, for our listeners that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, man. Oh yeah, so um, I so my name is Vince Lavopa. I own a company called Green Joe Coffee Truck, and what we do is we basically help people start get into coffee, either through coffee carts, trucks, trailers, or vans. So kind of stepping stone, we have a stepping stone model for people that are interested in getting into, you know, maybe a coffee shop later on or a roaster. Sometimes they don't have the experience or the funds and they kind of need to start off small. So I'm that bridge that kind of helps people get from uh, the ground up. And that's uh, my full-time hustle. And then I have a side hustle myself that um, is focused on fitness that's in the startup um, stage right now. So that's what I do. Cool, man. So Awesome. So you kind of coach other entrepreneurs and startups that want to get into the coffee business. Um, but it wasn't always that way, right? You kind of, you started uh, very differently. Like you didn't start out to be a coach, right? No, negative. So I started off uh, with a coffee truck. Um, trailer, excuse me. So I started off with a coffee trailer in 2015. In 2013, I had decided to leave medicine. I was working as a 911 paramedic here in Albuquerque. I'd been doing that for about about seven years, just shy of seven years. It's what I have my undergrad in. And I was prepping to go to PA school. And the truth of the matter was I just got burnt out in medicine. So I was looking for a change of career and I wanted to get into coffee and someday own a coffee shop. But because of my medicine background and before then I was in the military, so I didn't have any like barista or entrepreneurial experience, very limited with entrepreneurial experience. And so I thought just a good idea would be smart, start small and then build up. That's something we learn in medicine. Start off with the basics before you go all out. So I was like, well, maybe I'll start off with a coffee truck first. And I started doing some research on how to do coffee trucking. During that time, I got a corporate job and kind of moved up the ranks there. 
and uh, started packing away some cash. It took me about two years to save up enough money to build the coffee truck. And when I hit the internet looking for some type of information on how to build coffee trucks, there was very limited amount of info out there. So a lot of what I had to do was kind of pull from different forums and blogs and research RVs and research commercial kitchens and, you know, food trucks and try to put it all into one. And uh, so 2015, September 5th is when I opened up uh, Green Joe Coffee Truck. It was this vintage camper, cute little thing, 1976 camp. And it had a two group espresso machine from Astoria in it. So we were able to do all the drinks from, uh, you know, like a, a cafe. Although at the time I didn't really have very strong experience. I, I basically was self-taught off of YouTube. And so I was very limited in the, uh, the, uh, the quality of drinks when I first got started. But uh, the uh, School of Hard Knocks pretty much tuned me up on that one. Within a year, I felt pretty competent at making coffee drinks. So I, that, that was, uh, that was, I was fortunate enough to be in Albuquerque right after the Breaking Bad was filmed. So there was a lot of movie sets here, a lot of guys that came out of California to do these movies. And uh, if I didn't make a drink, they would just send it back. If I didn't get it right, they would just send it back. <laughs> so there, was a, there was a school of hard knocks learning that occurred there, man. And but uh, yeah, eventually, you know, we we, we uh, within our first year. So I, I opened a Green Joe coffee truck and. I was fortunate enough to get a, a, a residency, a spot on my local community college and their cafeteria campus closed. So then at that point, I became the sole provider for 4,000 people for a 4,000 body uh, campus. And uh, so I was maybe three months into it and still working my day job when I when I was closing my door to a line of 10 and I ran the numbers on that and I came out to something like I was missing out on something like 500 bucks a day. I said, well, at 500 bucks a day, five days a week, that's two and a half grand a week, well, two and a half grand a week, four weeks a month. That's 10 grand. Why am I closing my doors to 10 grand? You know? <laughs> so that was a, you know, a six, six six digit model i i kept closing my door to i said okay i need to stop closing my door <laughs> so i quit my so, day so, job so let me let me pa- yes. let, let me pause you real quick man so i'm yeah. gonna back up man real, yeah. real quick man so so let me get this right so you started a business uh-huh. with zero experience in that industry nothing yeah you too i spent three weeks and a lot of burnt milk on youtube and uh, <laughs> that's that's it, man. I mean, every day I would check in. I would I would go clock in like it was a job. I I had quit my job, you know. So so I would go clock in eight o'clock in the morning, and I would bring six gallons of milk with me, and I would just set up my phone, watch how they did it, and then I would do it. Watch how they did it, and then I would do it. I just over and over and over and over again. Till you got it right, huh? Until I got so, it right. So, yeah. So so. No, no experience in the industry. You don't no. have a degree in business management yeah, or yeah. entrepreneurship and that stuff. So no. I think this is a good, a good example of what can be done when you find your customer and you're passionate about what you do. I mean, you're, you're, you really are a perfect example of that. Like you don't have to know everything. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back when they want to start a business is, um, 
you know, oh, I, I don't, I need, I need to wait till I get this one more certification or this one more piece of training or this one more piece of equipment. Yeah. Uh, and you're proof that you don't have to do it that way, right? There are other ways you can go out and be successful. Yeah. I mean, yes, by no fault of my own though. I mean, like I just, you know, <laughs> yes, that's true. And, you know, I, I look back on it and there's, I could have done things significantly better. Um, one of the things that I do now that I didn't do then is mentorship. Um, so now like when I move into an industry, I get a mentor because it just saves me so much time and headache. Um, so, I mean, yes, we, we did, we were successful and that's great. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if it's courage or stupidity to be honest with you. I was just kind of jumping in. It was like, Nope, this is what I want to do with my life. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just organize my pieces in the right place and just make a, a frontal attack towards this dream. So I, I look back on that and as I've kind of developed, I've learned along the way that um I this is just me. Like even right now on my side hustle with my fitness thing, I have business mentors. I have three of them um, for each different aspect of the business. So kind of, you know, learning as I go, I go, okay, yes, by all means, um, it doesn't have to be uh, perfect, but where I lack in education and experience, I try to bring in people that have those skill sets that I don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it's just, it's a shortcut to success. There's no doubt about it. Find someone who's already done it or that knows more about it. I and mean, obviously I do coaching and consulting. So. Uh, I preach that all day long, but not everybody listens. Um, but you can do it. You can go it alone. You can be successful. But th like you said, there's a school of hard knocks. You're going to fail a lot. You're going to make some missteps. So yeah. tell me, let's, let's rewind a little more. Yeah. So, so when you started out, you said you got on some movie sets. How did you, what was your sales process? If you had one, what was your process for getting those type of gigs? Yeah. So um, they post, so here's what I would do. They had two studios in my town. And I, I printed out yard sale signs with my little camper and a cup of coffee on it and my um, website. And what I would do is any turn that you had to make to get to that studio, I zip tied my yard sale sign to that telephone pole. And then I did that every Monday because me and the city were constantly battling. They would take them down and threaten me with tickets and I would go back out <laughs> and put them back up. <laughs> yeah. So guerrilla marketing 101, yeah, right? It is, man. It is. So that's the first one, right? So that's attempt number one. Then attempt number two is there's a list. You can sign up to get on a catering list with like, there's a film association and they have like different actors guilds and Facebook groups. So I would, I would get into those groups and I would also um, get my name on the catering list from that film association. So that was their resource. So that's, that's what I would do for that. And then the third thing is the way, so I get this, I got this from a, a buddy of mine. He's actually my uncle-in-law, in-law is what he is but he's he's an amazing person he's an architect that came it's one of those like i he came to the country with ten dollars from lebanon right and he rented he rented an apartment 
from this lady. It was just a mattress in the attic for like, I think it was like, I can't remember the numbers, but forgive me for this, but it was like 20 bucks a month is what he rented the, the, uh, the mattress on the floor. And he said, well, I'll give you 25 if you can get me a job. And she did. She got him a job as a dishwasher at an Italian place. Three years later, he was the general manager. But the the story is, you know, once he got an in, once he took, once he got that in, she took a foot. So whenever someone would book me, uh, usually they would book me under the production, the the um, the movie set kind of finances, right? Their credit cards, so to mm-hmm. speak. But then, yeah. but then, uh, so that's fine. You know, we send it to billing to their headquarters, but all the actors and all the producers and directors would often purchase the coffee truck for the, the set crew as a thank you. They were really good about that. So then if they, uh, if they, so what I would do is I would tell them if you're, if it's coming out of your personal finances, I'll give you a 25% discount. And so from there, not only would the movie set book me, but then I would get the the lead actors or any of the up and coming actors that needed to get their name out. I would get a discount for them. And then if they booked me once, I would I would tell them the next one is is even more off. So I just kept, you know, almost like fracting oil. I just kept just digging in deeper and deeper wherever I could. And um, from there, you just get a reputation, you know, you just show up and just good business practices, be on time, have a smile, um, make the drinks right, um, take the extra step. You know, I would I would do things like try to get the uh, drink orders of the directors and the producers and the lead actors before I came in. So I knew exactly what they wanted. So anytime they wanted that drink, I can have that fired up right away. Sometimes they liked a certain milk, oat milk or something. And I would go out of my way to get the gallon of oat milk for that one drink. So there was just a lot of th- little extras that I would do to kind of make sure that they were happy. And that paid its dividends because usually I would charge those guys three, 400 bucks an hour and make it a minimum of three, four hours. So, you know, I would make a grand and, you know, literally I would make what would take me two days of work, I would make in three or four hours. So it was awesome because, you know, I would get two or three of those a week and I'm off to a six digit business. So it was, it was, that one worked out really well. And that one was a little bit of being in the right place at the right time. And a little bit of um, elbow grease on beating out my competition, you know, just being a little bit more aggressive in yeah. my marketing and, and so, the quality of my product. Did, did you, did you just to, to kind of shift gears, I got to ask, man. So do you have any, did you have any funny stories or did you, did you work with any big name actors or directors? Yeah, we did a couple. Um, let's see. The, that, that you're the okay to talk name. about. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're allowed to uh, after the movie's released. Like we were, the truck itself was in a movie with Tommy Lee Jones. He was a little bit cranky, to be honest. Um, uh, oh, the forgetting the guy's name. He's he's the guy in the Matrix, Morpheus. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yeah, he drinks a chai tea yeah. latte, man. He likes them a little bit sweet. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. You know that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a uh, there's I, there's a bunch, man. But I, to be honest, I just like, I kind of forget a lot of them because. Oh, what, have you seen what was that movie? Um, Perfect Pitch. 
Pitch Perfect. Yeah, Pitch Perfect. Yeah, Pitch Perfect, yeah. the, the acapella one. The boyfriend on that one booked us a bunch of times. Um, he's a really cool guy. He's all he's mm. into MMA and John Jones, and he was all into the UFC fighting and stuff. I really I liked his company. He was he, the Hollywood That's hadn't cool. gotten to him yet, you know. Uh, he's still kind of grounded, huh? He was man. He was real down to earth, and I appreciated that. The movie crew, That's awesome. I loved the crews. Those guys were like. They reminded me of the military because in the military, it's like you just have this mindset of you got to get the mission done and the mission comes first. And everyone gets that. We're all on the same page. Like, doesn't matter what your feelings are. Doesn't matter what, you know, what's happening right now. The mission comes first. And there's this kind of like overarching set priority that we all kind of unify behind. And in a lot of the other businesses, I kind of lost that, you know, and people would say, okay, you know, sales come first and the, but it doesn't, it didn't reflect in, in a lot of actions. A lot of it, um, a lot of like working in corporate world was a bit kind of cutthroat, kind of sharky. And, you know, for me, I, I didn't really enjoy that very much, but on those movie sets, man, those guys are, they just bust their butts. They work hard and they're all about the mission, you know? So I, I really enjoyed working with those guys they they were they're good company they're good people that's great man so let's go ahead and re, let's get back on task so yeah. so you yeah. got a gig at a college campus man so how did yeah. you how did you land that gig was it intentional or did it just kind of thing that just kind of happened by accident i got an email from a friend that was like hey that they're they're opening their campus to food trucks i just went in the next morning with all my paperwork in my hand i here's my permits here's my insurance and uh, and the guy was like, great, when can you start? I was like, I'll, I, I can pull it in tomorrow. And he was like, all right, come on in tomorrow. So I was the third truck there, the first coffee truck. And uh, and I, you know, they just, it was, it was kind of off to the races. It took a while for people to catch on that it was a, uh, that it was a honey hole. But in the beginning, you know, no one wanted to go set up at the camp. And I don't know why. But I was like, I'll go set up at the campus. But no one wanted to set up at the campus. Maybe it was like because, I mean, in coffee trucking, the money's in catering, right? Like, so there's always big fish. That's our big ticket item is catering. Because with catering, you can make you can make a lot. I mean, the most we made in catering was 15 grand in one event. You can make a lot of money in catering. So, so catering is where the when cash you say is catering, at. Yeah. Well, when you say catering, do you mean like? serving food or are you just saying doing catering events Co coffee catering coffee just, okay okay yeah gotcha. yeah i mean just sometimes clarify need food you know and and i would have local bakers and other taco trucks and stuff so if i needed like burritos or something i would just order them from another truck so you know and i would just mark them up so it would yeah i could cater food to an extent um but when you say but i just I want to clarify when you say catering yeah. what you mean by that yeah 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 no worries yeah thank you thank you for uh oh. Right. So, so, so you're rocking out coffee. So maybe, maybe people didn't want to do it because it might interfere with their catering, but I was so new to the game that I didn't care, you know? So I, um, so I set up at the community college and literally within our first year, I had to have a full-time employee and I had to get a second truck because I was booked out like three, four months. I was saying no to good gigs. And so I started just keeping an eye out for a truck. I wanted to do a panel van because the first one I did a trailer and then I wanted to do a panel van and then during this time 
So here's an interesting pivot. During this time, I was doing a couple things. I was keeping track of my sales. And when I wasn't busy on the truck, I was writing blogs on my website and just starting to like, just put out information on how to do coffee trucking. Because again, there wasn't any, there was nothing. There was, there was one forum that had a guy that wrote a blog and it, it I mean, it was an okay blog. Mr. Shave was his name. If he ever listens to this, hi, Mr. Shave. Uh, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a do it yourself, anything. It was kind of like today I put the generator in, you know, just, just real kind of, I don't know. So there was a lot to be, there was a lot to be filled when it came to putting out information on how to produce coffee trucks. So I started working on my blog site. And then at the end of my first year, I purchased a book from Amazon, the number one seller on how to build coffee shops. Um, it was their number one seller at the time. I'm not sure if it's the number one seller now, but I, I opened it up. And if that book talked about inventory, then I talked about inventory. If, if that book talked about um, you know, pre-marketing activities, then I talked about pre-marketing activities. So, I, so then I used that book basically as a template to write my book. And I put my book out, The Ultimate Guide on How to Build Coffee Trucks. Um, after my first year in business, I put like, I kept all my receipts, categorized them so that people could see what it would cost to build it. I also, you know, put in my information like, hey, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have bought this or, hey, I, you know, this broke later on. So I also put in kind of my, my own tidbits, my experience into it, put that out into the internet. My first day I sold three of them. So I was like, whoa, what is that? And I wasn't selling them cheap. I think at the time I was selling them maybe 50 or a hundred bucks. Not, it wasn't a cheap book. It wasn't like a $10 book. It was, it was yeah, pricey yeah. and it started selling right away. So I was like, wow, cool. Cause I always wanted to get into passive income, something I've always wanted to do. So I was like, let me get started on that right away. Um, and it's funny cause I thought I would get into passive income, like doing the Amazon stuff or the eBay stuff, you know, all that all that jazz. And I did, I tried all those things. I, I still have a product up on Amazon right now. Um, I, I did the eBay thing. I did the buy from Alibaba and then upsell the white label thing. And lo and behold here under my nose, the coffee truck was the one that would, that really, <laughs> the, the, the passive income stream <laughs> from the coffee truck was really the one that, that was, was the moneymaker. So anyhow, it came back to coffee, huh? It came back to coffee, man. Isn't that funny how that works? So I had, and, uh, and, and again, I want to, I want to point out, and this is an industry that you didn't have any experience until you got into it. Oh, the passive income. No, man. I didn't no, I'm talking know about, anything. No, I'm talking about coffee. Like this is, this, this is, well, that too, but they you know, the, oh, co yeah. again, coffee's on coffee was your success. And again, it's an industry that you didn't know anything about until you got into it. Like, yeah. You just got to no, start. Right. You're totally right. And you know, it's funny. Cause it's like, I think that there's a, I think you need to know something. I believe in the law of, of diminishing returns. It's my personal opinion. Um, so I think you need to know something about your industry, right? You can't go in completely ignorant. Um, so you got to do some research. You got to get in there and, and, and put your nose into the books and really start getting an understanding on it. And there's, for me, there's a, a point where my education will kind of skyrocket and I'll really start soaking in a lot of information. And eventually it'll just kind of plateau. You know, like, um, like, like right now it's like, I know, 
I know about coffee, but in order for me to learn something new about coffee, I usually have to seek out an expert. You know what I mean? Like someone who really is dialed in on it. Um, and then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So there's there's a point of diminishing return. If I just jump on someone's blog, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. So, you know, I think for me, um, I like to get, you know, point past the point of where terms are new, but but not quite towards the point of diminishing return. Because, I mean, at that point, that's way late in the game to start anything, you know. Um, so as far as like education, like, you know, when do you pull the the uh, the trigger on education? That's a really interesting question. You go, OK, well, what is it going to take for me to step into this? When I do when I do side hustles. So my model to side hustles is I like to look at what is the minimum what is the minimum amount of apparatus needed to test this system and determine if this system has a positive feedback? So what's the minimum amount of investment that I need to see some type of return to gauge whether or not there's fish in this lake and I can start fishing it? You know what I mean? Like I need, I need, yeah. you know, so, so I look at the, kind of that lowest common denominator and then I go, okay, if this doesn't work out, can I take this? Let me use coffee carts as an example. This is a great example. So I go, okay, in order to find out if I can get into coffee, trucking, carting, or shopping, whatever, right? I want to get into coffee. The coffee cart is pretty much the smallest amount, the lowest amount of apparatus, of, you know, of, of tool that I can use to test this coffee market. Cool. So what does that cost? Well, okay, it costs five grand. Great. All right. So then I can start doing things like catering. I can do farmers markets, dog parks, hiking trails, whatever, weddings, right? But I can do enough to test to find out if if A, I even like this job, right? Because I got to do it every day. And B, does it make money? Right? So, so that's the smallest amount I need to test that system. And then the second question I go is if this does not work out, I, I run both equations. If this does not work out, can I take that five grand coffee cart and sell it? Can I recoup, right? Can, you know, because the time you're going to lose it either way, whether or not you, you're successful or not, you got to invest the time and energy into it. But it's nice to know that if you don't make it, you can take this cart and be able to sell it and get some of your money back, right? So it's not a total loss. So I look at that. Okay. If this doesn't work out, what, you know, what do I, what do I recoup out of this? And then if it does work out, what will it take to move from the, uh, you know, the minimum amount to a full-time operation, like a coffee trailer truck or a shop. And I run those numbers. So, um, so that's kind of what I do when I'm looking at beta testing something. I go, okay, lowest, you know, lowest common denominator to get in. What if it fails? What if it succeeds? And that's kind of what I use is like, I guess my strategic thought process that I go through. And then from there, it's just, you know, you run the numbers you get, and I like, I like cold, hard numbers, man. I, I get in there and do the research. I want to know the, the exact cost on the espresso machine, the coffee filters, the everything. I mean, I get in there and the, I get nasty when it comes to determining quotes. And that's just because I've been burned in the past with um, having gray numbers in my head, like just kind of like instead of having black and white, just like having fuzzy numbers. Oh, I think it'll cost this or, oh, I think it'll cost that. It's like, 
no, 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 no. Get it in black and white. Know exactly what you're going to be spending getting into this thing so that you can mm -hmm. make an educated decision, you know? And then after that, yeah. after all that's come up with, then, you know, you just, you know, then you just search your heart. You want to do it or not, you know? And then if you do, all right, give it a shot. And then, you know, if you're like, no, nah, maybe not, then okay, then don't. Yeah, right. I um have you ever read the book Lean Startup by Eric Reese? No, but I have it. <laughs> I own it. It's on my shelf and it stares at me. <laughs> Look, don't feel bad. I, I I bought it. It sat on my shelf for two years. And then what I ended up doing was listening to the audio book. So I'm guilty of doing that too. But it's a it's a great book. Go just go get the audio book, man. Okay. Um it's very similar to that. He he does a very similar process. He talks about you know creating the minimum viable product, the MVP. Um, and then I think, you know, obviously we talked a little bit before this call and I was telling you what I'm doing with one of my coaching clients today. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going to go to. We're going to go out in the market and we're going to see what is the minimum viable product. What are people wanting to buy? And we're just going to do what I call market research. We're going to do it face to face. Um, because like, so you got to figure out, you got to know the numbers and, and that's kind of what I was telling like, at the end of the day, we're gonna have some data and we're going to be able to decide of what are people willing to pay for it? And can you create it and make a profit at what they're willing to pay for it kind of stuff. So you got to crunch the numbers. Um, and obviously I told people how, you know, how I came to, to find you was I was looking at opening a coffee shop and I started watching your videos kind of like you did. I started doing some self-research, some self-training. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm like yeah. you, I don't really know how to work a, an espresso machine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you have a ton of valuable information. So I was like, I got to get this guy on the show. Um, not just because of coffee, but because of in general, what you just talked about starting any business, you know, a lot of people, I see it all the time. I got a great idea. Um, I think it's going to cost me about a hundred thousand dollars and let's go do it. And then they find out, you know, like those gray numbers, they find out, no, it's really about $250,000 and they really don't like the industry, right? They hate it. Yeah. Um, start yeah. small, grow it, man. Um, let's pause for a second or switch gear. So, you, you know, you yeah. talked about your successes, but you also have had some struggles. It wasn't an instant success. Um, you, you know, you had some challenges and you pivoted. You, I think you had a brick and mortar at one time and you decided that wasn't for you, right? That's right. Yeah, we closed our brick and mortar after uh, just under two years. We didn't we didn't even make it into our third season, man. We had. Uh, whew, so we had opened we opened our brick and mortar. I was three years into business with the coffee truck. And I at this point, I had two trucks and a cart. And so we had kind of this small catering fleet. And uh, again, my my goal had always been to open a coffee shop. And so it was like, okay, we're getting to the point where we can pull the trigger on this. So my wife and I, my wife was, um, uh, she, she had gotten her yoga instructor certificate. And so she was a level, level 200, um, uh, yoga instructor. And we just thought it would be the greatest thing in the world to open up a coffee shop and a yoga studio and combine them together. So we called it Helix um, because it was a mom and pop shop and DNA is made out of your mom and, and, and pop, right? So we called it Helix and we uh, we opened up, it was this, we renovated an old house where uh, the kitchen was where I served coffee from. And then there was two living rooms to the house. Um, there was like a big sunroom uh, on the patio and then, and then of course, a living room, living room. And that one had a, a fireplace. It was really nice. And the normally where you would do the, like the dining room had like a little pop-up shop. So we had local vendors that came in and set up earrings and that type of stuff. And then the 
three bedrooms in the back, we took two of them and made it into a really long yoga, yoga studio. And then the middle bedroom was a um, kid's room where uh, parents could let their kids play around. So it was a, a real interesting niche. Um, it was a neighborhood coffee shop. We weren't on like a huge main street. We we're on um, kind of a in between uh, a residential and a commercial industry, like in between. So we were on the same street with like lawyers and, and accountants and that type of thing. Um, so we did that for two years and uh, that was a mess, man. That was a mess. I mean, I don't regret it in the aspect of like, it's something <laughs> I always wanted to do, but, uh, but it took its toll on both of us. Um, the hours were long. Uh, I was usually flyering the neighborhood uh, roughly about five, six in the morning. Um, and then I had to open up shop at seven. I opened up for the first month. I opened at six. We didn't get anybody. You think at a coffee shop, you got to open early, but, uh, we didn't get anybody until seven o'clock. So I, I would just spend the morning flyering the neighborhoods, putting up my little gorilla marketing yard sale signs and, uh, you know, uh, taping telephone poles, that type of thing. So just, just grassroots marketing. That's what got us the best. You know, it's funny cause I'm into all these like online marketing stuff, the click funnels and all that stuff. And I did all that jazz, you know, I set up click funnels and, you know, geo-targeted Facebook ads and stuff, but by and large, what got us the most business was flyers at the dog park in the local neighborhood. And, uh, so, so, so we didn't, you know, and roughly I would get out of work about five or six. And then, you know, of course it's, you know, paperwork and marketing and Facebook ads and all that jazz afterwards. It just, it was an all encompassing business. I had two employees. I was still doing the, the coffee truck. We ended up getting a, um, a roaster. So I was roasting my own beans and I just worked myself to death, man. And uh, so we put in what I didn't see come in. I knew that we had lose money in January, February, and March, because those are the slow months and commerce just really takes a hit. Um, but in the summer months, we do really well. The markets pop up and the trucks can go out to the markets. Um, we, we held things that are, we had like a big backyard. So we had yoga classes in the back of that house and stuff. So it was, so I knew we did well in the summer, but each, each winter, each month in winter, we would go into the hole three grand and by the end of March, uh, our, I would be upside down 10K and I would have to spend all summer trying to recoup that. And so it was just this mm. up and down, up and down business. And yeah, so I was working my tail off. And, um, and of course, like when you work that much and your wife works that much, it takes its toll on its merit on the marriage. And, you know, we had we definitely tried to like keep business separate from the relationship, but you know, you're just adding, you're adding more problems to your life. You know, it's like, that's basically what it, uh, you know, that's what business oh, yeah. is. The, the yeah, act we, of solving uh, problems. Right. So, so we're just adding more problems. <laughs> to our, to our life. <laughs> we, we, we had four retail stores at one time, me and my wife. And uh, like you said, it's, it's hard to separate, work-life balance if you have a corporate job, but when you work together all day long and you come home and you sit at the dinner table and that's all you talk about is, is business and work. Like it's, it's just a huge part of your life. 
Um, and yes, it, it creates a massive success, uh, massive stress on your relationship. So if you're, if you're starting a business with your family or your wife, you know, uh, heed these words, right, Vince, that, uh, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not all roses and, uh, rainbows, you know, no, to say the least. So, yeah, it's the opposite, man. I think it, it, for us, it yeah. put a lot on our shoulders. Now I've seen some couples be able to do it and kudos to them, but we drew the line in the sand after that one. And we we're like, yeah, we're just going to do business and personal separate because it, it wasn't worth it you know it's like no matter how it's much tough, man, it really is. in that pot yeah so, so you were rocking out the um the, the the brick and mortar and you decided one you just one you didn't like it wasn't wasn't the model you enjoyed and of course it was a financial aspect to it so when you closed that did you go back to just full-time catering was that still your your gig doing the trucks no man so what had happened is um so Green Joe Coffee Trucks website was booming. So I was selling eBooks and and uh, business plans, and I had a bunch of different products on my passive income stream. And there were days where that online business would beat out my trucks and my shop. So it was like, you know, it was great because that that passive income stream sometimes kept us afloat, you know, and uh, which was really awesome. Um, but uh, when my wife got pregnant with our second, uh, with our second daughter, I was like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense for me to work 60 hours a week and then, you know, have this online business that's doing great. Why don't, why don't we close down the shop, you know, call it, call it. And it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision. It was like, I think that decision took four months. Um we had to test that summer out and see where we landed uh, after because we came out we came out in the negative during that winter. I mean, it was like, well, why don't we just rock the summer, see what happens during the summer and we'll make our decision. So it was like come come September, the writing was on the wall. It was like we you know, we got off the payroll um, completely so that we weren't soaking the business, the business numbers up. And we were just surviving. It was, I think we we're in the green, maybe a grand a month. So nothing yeah, that I was killing like, yourself to do it. Yeah, man, exactly. Nothing to write home about. And then I'm in the, I'm in the green a grand a month. And then here's this online business that's doing, <laughs> that's doing great. So it's like, yeah, we just said, okay, well, why don't we just close the, close the business and I'll just focus on the online stuff and we'll just you know pivot that direction so that that was the it wasn't it wasn't an easy decision we sat on that for a long time because we had put a lot of work into that thing and mm -hmm. really wanted it to survive uh, it's a tough decision when you decide whether you close or you sell or or, or whatever i mean I've, I've i've owned and opened and started a you know a dozen businesses and and i've sold some i've closed some because yeah you know, financial mm -hmm. struggles and it really is it, it's a it's almost a like it feels like a monumental decision. Like it's a life changing event. And it is, you know, yeah. but it's, it's a tough one. You know, yeah, let's, was, let's talk about, so real quick, I'll go ahead. It was really attached to my ego. I had a lot of emotion mm -hmm. in that. Like it was, it was, I took it as a personal failure and really struggled with, with like, I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know. Like I could, like I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't make it. And I really took it personal and it took me a while to kind of like open up my eyes that, you know, that was two years and I learned so much about business in those two years. 
Like I, I would not have been able to get that education anywhere else. You, I couldn't go to a four-year degree and get that education. It was like, mm-hmm. it taught me a huge amount about numbers, about leadership, about people, about the you know, cost of goods, about inventory and ordering and marketing and just so much. So yeah, I kind of, I chalk it up and maybe it's kind of a silly way to do it, but I chalk it up as an educational expense. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. that's what it took for me to learn. And yeah, it was probably, it, it slung me forward in my entrepreneurial education more than anything else has. There's that I do know. <laughs> An education from the school of hard knocks will get you school a lot further than, um, yeah, anywhere, any master's degree for sure. So as we start to kind of wind down on time, I do want to talk real quick. So tell me a little bit or our viewers, or our listeners about, um, your book. Cause like I said, that's, that's how I found you. I found you on YouTube, started watching your videos. Yeah, checked out your website because, like I said, I was I was interested in creating my own. I was actually going to open a brick and mortar, and you 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 know, hearing your story, it kind of talked me out of it. I hate to say, I don't hate to say it, it's the truth. Um, so I'm looking at maybe if I do decide to go with that business, I've started another one instead of doing the coffee, you know, getting in the coffee. But if I do, I'm actually going to start kind of like you did. I'm going to start at pop up events, flea markets, doing cold brew and different things like that. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, like I said, do the research, getting educated will save you some time and some money, find a mentor, find a master. So you have already educated me quite a bit on what not to do and what to do. Um, but talk a little bit about, you know, if people want to find your book, you know, uh, where can they hunt you down at? Where can they uh, yeah. stalk you properly? Yeah, here? sure, man. So I'm on, uh, YouTube and my website. I'm not on social media, um, which kind of throws people off, but I have come to the calculation in my life that that takes more from me than it gives me. And I ran the numbers on social media, found out how much I would make if I were to have it and decided that you cannot pay me that amount to stick my face in my phone that that many hours out of the day. I just some people have the discipline to put their phones down. I am not one of them, so I just delete them all. It's like it's gone. So I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm on YouTube, and I'm on uh, uh, my my website, GreenJoeCoffeeTruck.com, and we have we have a book, the ebook, the ultimate ebook on how to build coffee trucks. Um, I teach courses. I have I, I built the courses out so that people can just um, download them and, and watch them. Um, but I, I actively enjoy, um, bringing people through the process of opening a coffee truck. So I do host, uh, one course, uh, every six weeks, um, and kind of bring people through, we, we take their code and regulations and break it down and then create, uh, floor plans and that type of thing, just kind of walk them through the process of all the red tape. Um, so I still like doing that. So I do that. Uh, I have a the, the crash course is what that one's called. I have a business plan. I hired a loan officer to help me write that. So uh, after being in business for five years, I went back and wrote the plan. <laughs> it's like, should have done that first, you know that? Yeah. So, right. but, uh, yeah, but I have a business plan that we sell people for, you know, sometimes people are trying to get financing. So they need help with creating a business plan, how to calculate their numbers to get, you know, um, good cold numbers. We have that up on the website as well. And uh, we're working on some new things. I got a couple beta groups out there. Some, so typically what I'll do is I'll ask for help from my audience. I'll, I'll say like, like right now we're doing a coffee cart um, ebook. So we have a beta group, um, a bunch of people that are also interested in coffee carts and we get on zoom together and I figure out kind of what their vision is and 
Um, sometimes I got to put a little bit of salt on it, you know, and just kind of be like, well, keep this in mind, you know, so, but for the most part, it's just kind of gathering what they, what they're trying to do. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll take that and create a resource from it. So we're working on a coffee cart ebook. Um, so hope to have that one out soon. And then, um, the fitness stuff is, uh, beta X is the name of the company. And, uh, our website is the beta experiment.com. And our YouTube page is the beta experiment. So it's um, uh, a beta experiment on, on fitness. I have a whole modality for that. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's awesome. me. It's, yeah. Where, uh, what is your uh, YouTube channel calls for those that don't know? Cause I know it is what it is, obviously. Cause I listen yeah. to it. Um, it's green what's, Joe what's, I want to search for you. Mm-hmm. Green Joe awesome. coffee. Green. Truck. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. so what I took from this man is a, is a few tidbits, man. We had, we, we unpacked a lot of information, but have a plan is the first thing, know your numbers, start small and then be ready to pivot, right? Be okay with change. Yeah, man. So I, I'll kind of tell you, so this is my formula to strategic planning and I, I don't, you know, so basically it's, it's rapid development. So, um, getting my pieces out quickly, getting myself put into a position where I can make good decisions. So, um, so rapid development, I, I seek the high ground, whatever the high ground is. So I, I'm sure you're familiar with the 80, 20 rule where there's 20% of the work does 80% of the return, whatever that 20% of the work is, that's where I focus my attention on immediately. Um, I make sure to if there's any if there's anything that's going to um knock my system down immediately um if, if there's any so if there's a, a good example is like some people will 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 create a, an entire model off of facebook but then if facebook changes their terms and conditions and doesn't allow you to post without boosting your post which they did uh then that entire model is gone. So I look at these kind of like whatever game stoppers there are, and I try to protect against my game stoppers. And then once all those things are done, uh, then I will look at the situation and try to make the best decision possible. That's, that's kind of my, that's the way I like to do it. So I'll look at strengths of a certain situation. Okay. What's the strength of going this route? Um, what weaknesses do I currently have that I need to develop? Um, what threats are coming my way? And I just try to make the on the spot decision with what's in front of me, because until you get where your pieces are developed, you've developed your high ground, you've you've prevented things from knocking you down until all that work's done. I think it's very difficult to make an on the spot decision. Um, but once that work's done, then, then I'll make kind of my on, on the spot decision. So a lot of it is just kind of getting yourself started, you know, so that you can get some traction made. And then once you get into a good spot, like, okay, now I have my coffee cart. Now I'm starting to do catering. Then you can make the decision at that point, should I do a truck or not? You know, so a lot of it is just trying to get yourself into a position where you can make good decisions. Yeah. Don't, don't have you back against the wall 24 seven. Cause then you, then you're, you're making desperate decisions, right? And usually they're bad decisions. Yeah. Um, excellent. Excellent. Vince, man. Hey, yeah. I appreciate, appreciate your time today. Before we go, cause we're wrapping up. Is there any other parting thoughts that maybe we didn't cover or we glazed over that you'd like to share with our audience before we go? 
No, I mean, those, that's, um, that's probably my, my biggest ones. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's three really good books that I usually recommend people to read. Um, the first one is Tools of Titans from Tim Ferriss. So if, if you haven't read that one, it's a, it's a, the beginning's a little hard to get through, but that is, he wrote one of the best books I've ever read. That is a phenomenal mm -hmm. book. It's, uh, basically, it's years of podcasting wrapped up into a one small book um, where he takes the small tidbits of information he's learned from each one of these great people that he's interviewed and shares them with us. So it's just it's a phenomenal educational resource. So that's the first one. The second one is Leadership, a field manual from Jocko Willink. That's probably the most effective leadership book I've ever re read, um, where he really breaks down on how to lead. And since implementing his style, I've seen really great growth in my leadership. Um, so I really like his book. He has another one called uh, uh, Extreme Leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Extreme Ownership. Yeah. Yep. yeah that's Jessica, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. That yeah. One was I, I love Jocko too, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Together we'll figure out the name, right? And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, and then the last one, which has probably been the most influential edu uh, entrepreneurship book for me is my life and work by henry ford and that's his autobiography on how he got started inventing the v engine you know we know v8s that's because of him and just his his work over the years that his mindset is phenomenal he focuses on efficiency he comes from a good ethical standpoint he's not out to rip anybody off he just wants to put out a really good quality product at a fair price he just he's a He's a titan. I mean, there, there's a reason Henry Ford became who he is. It's, he has a phenomenal mindset. So those are the, the three kind of hand-me-downs. I think that, you know, in the 80-20, the 80-20 education is like the 20% of books that have given me 80% of my education. Those are the three. So I thought I'd pass those on to you guys. No, man, that's that's uh, that's gold, man. This this uh, interview has been awesome. Tons of golden nuggets. I appreciate your time. No doubt about it. Go check out Vince's website. Get his books if you're interested in the coffee industry in any kind of way, shape, or form. Definitely check him out on YouTube. He's got a, I mean, you got a ton of content on there, man. So go check him out. You'll learn a lot, not just about coffee, but about businesses in general. And to our listeners, we hope that you learned at least one thing today that'll help take you to the next level. Hey, thanks for listening today. For more episodes, make sure to click the subscribe button below and check out our blog for other impactful information that might be of interest to you at vizanaconsulting.com forward slash blog. That's Vizana, V as in victory, E-Z-I-N-A, consulting.com slash blog. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. That's podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. I'm your host, Ben Vizanaw, and I'll see you next time on the Next Level Leadership and Small Business Owner Show.